2: Well, I got news for you. You ain't heard nothing yet. And if you don't know, now you know.
0: Go right. Woo! <laughs> you better put them hands together and act like you know it's
1: are here. Yeah, you better put them together for Friday already on VE. Get you up and out and crank it along. Talking uh, Victor Wimbanyama, the security details, the Britney Spears and the traumatizing incident, according to Britney or should I say, Ms. Spears? Also, uh, plenty of Longhorn football conversation. Yeah,
0: congratulations to Rodney Terry and his staff for putting together a pretty good basketball team coming into next year. If they can all get together, you know? Yeah, that's going to be a, t- a tal- good that's, 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 that's,
1: a, that's a pretty good, talented group. I think they've done a hell of a job. And uh, I think patient and diligent is the yep. way they did it. They targeted certain players, and, uh, you know. They didn't um, just take anybody. And remember when when it all began, and people were in a f- full panic in the first couple of weeks when good players were going elsewhere, and Rodney yeah. Terry, you know, people were worried about it. And again, you, ever, we all said at the, same, at the time, let it play out. You know, if, if you get to the this point of the year, July seventh, and they haven't landed the, the right players, then for sure be critical. But same time, Rodney Terry kind of scoffed at that and said, you know, you know, Chris Beard was the head coach. Who do you, who do you think recruited? Was the lead recruiter on a uh, most of the roster that was already here, uh, the Marcus Cars, the Sir Jabari Rice's, the Timmy Allens. I mean, that was was a lot of uh, of Rodney Terry legwork on the recruiting trail to land that that roster that nearly went to the Final Four this year. Uh, and yes, much like Chris Beard had to do when he got here, it's it's a rebuilt roster. It but, is. You're right. But it and it, 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 it's also. Um, you know, be. It's beneficial that the three key guys who who could have left came back, right? The fact that Dylan Dessou looked at his op- options and you know, considered playing professionally uh, out around the world, and and you know Dylan Mitchell and Tyrese Hunter both did their draft thing and could have. You know, a lot of people right. thought, thought Dylan Mitchell was was gone, and so those three are back. So those you know to go with Brock Cunningham and Alexander Anamekwe and uh, some guys who had already been here. You you got some core, what you would call in college basketball. They and due to snatch players. a
0: couple guys that were good thinking about Kansas as big.
1: Yeah, I mean into then then to, to to get that good fortune, but then to re, be smart about the way you went after you know Caden Shedrick, who will give you something this right. year you didn't have last year, a six eleven rim protector, athletic big, who wants to come here to help develop his offensive game. That front line, Buck, of Caden Shedrick, Dylan Mitchell, and Dylan Dessou, that's impressive. Put a
0: lot of hands around the rim there, isn't it? Yeah.
1: yeah a lot of athleticism. I mean, Dylan DeSue, as we talked about the, at the end of last year, Big 12 tournament MVP, um, was on his way to a hell of an NCAA tournament before his unfortunate injury. And if Caden Shedrick, you know, rolls in here, they also have Zarek Onyema, the UTEP transfer, mm-hmm. who's going to fill that Christian Bishop role, kind of that banger. Uh, veteran player, played a lot of basketball at UTEP, uh, kind of a garbage type of guy, uh, you know, in a positive way. There's your front line, and you have now the backcourt, Tyrese Hunter, Max Asmus. Um, you know, can really score and light it up now you bring in the kid from central Florida who's a twenty three year old experienced longer guard, bigger more a physical guard who can shoot the rock and um you know and I know a lot of people really like Kendall Weaver the u t Arlington transfer, and I heard hey, he's
0: th- the interesting one for me
1: when I heard Craig Way tell the story. Uh, on the air on, the, on Light the Tower before he left for vacation that you know he was talking to Rodney Terry about Kendall Weaver.
0: Is he very uh, close to what Asmus is? I mean, that type of player? No.
1: He's more like Jabari Rice. He'll remind you of his game. Okay. 6-3 lean. But the thing with uh, Kendall Weaver that's interesting is, Rodney said, you know, we were we were up at the state tournament game, at state championships, right? Watching and, uh, you know, watching players. Uh, I think at the time it was Ron Holland and, and that group. And Mansfield timberview was there, and they saw Kendall Weaver and they really liked him. Uh, and he was not getting a lot of looks, but they, the coaching staff really thought, man, that guy's got a, a good game, great, great floor sense, smart player. Uh, and they just didn't have any room for him. I mean the, and so they, they were interested in talking to him, but they were they didn't have any spots. And so the fact that he went to UT Arlington, became a whack well, all, all freshman player, Whack freshman of the year. Um, they're kind of living up to that potential they saw as one of the most most best young you know players in that conference then he jumps into the portal and Texas can double back and say hey oh, yeah. now we have a spot for you <laughs> and uh, we like your game and now you showed it at the college level uh, that, that that's a kid to watch and I know, I know the coaches are really really high on him so that that's your four person backcourt that backcourt also includes the true freshman who that's the one you know Kansas he had been a Kansas commitment to Bill self but got out of that commitment and is now coming to Texas. Um, you know he's a kid who was mentored growing up by mm-hmm. T.J. Ford, T.J. Ford, because uh, T.J. Ford has those basketball camps and academies. There's one here and there's one down in uh, where he grew up down in, in West Southwest Houston, and he he went to that school. Remember he ended up at Mountain Verde Academy uh, playing high school ball, uh, but from Missouri City, Texas originally. So yeah, I mean props. I think uh, this is that's a that's a deep and talented and I think versatile roster that's got the things you need to be Yeah, I think you
0: said it right there. It's a versatile roster.
1: Yeah. With uh you know, deep guard play, which you got it. I mean, guard play wins in March, you know that? And uh I mean, I think fans are just going to fall for Max Acem's pretty quick. If you go back and watch his Oral Roberts tape, and that's the thing about Max. If you want He's wanna, a scorer. He's used to scoring. If you want to get to know his game, just go YouTube. Yeah. It. I mean, he's played 4 years at Oral Roberts. There's a lot of film. He helped Oral Roberts get to the Sweet 16 and he was the best player in that conference for all those years he was there and can just, you know, the, the word on him because he's already working out down at the down at uh, you know at the summer work, and they just call he said he's a bucket. I mean, the guy just can score the basketball. And he's creative with the basketball. He's quick. He can shoot for unlimited range with a quick release, and people are going to like him a lot. I think that backcourt has a chance to be. If Tyrese Hunter, you know, with whatever knowledge he gained from the NBA experience, comes in a year better and a year more focused and a year more locked in, that backcourt can be really good. On the frontcourt, with, with the return of... To get Dylan DeSue and Dylan Mitchell back, which at the start of the whole process, you were not sure, that's huge. That's huge, because that's two veteran bigs to go with the, the, the transfer.
0: From Mitchell, for sure.
1: I mean, Dylan Mitchell, we know he's a five-star recruit. If he continues to develop, that guy can be, be a really good player. Uh, so, yeah, lots of like about what Rodney Terry has put together yep. uh, this year. And, uh, you know, excited to see where that can go. Obviously, that'll really crank up in October. And I remember when Chris Beard would join us, and Chris Beard talked about when they put this whole roster together. He says, "Our," he said, you know, he would always tell us." He said, "The biggest challenge we have now, and our biggest detriment, is time. Like, how quickly can we get all these guys together, build the chemistry, bring this thing to where?" Because that was one of the things about last year's team, even with the Chris Beard situation, that team was really close. That team was really that a great bond, and even though their coach was was suspended and then let go, and then Rodney Terry took over. There was a real unique chemistry on that team, which is why it's unfortunate the, that they suffered the two injuries there with Dylan Dessou and Marcus Carr, and that that Elite Eight game got away from them. Because that that team had had talent, but it also had the the chemistry it takes to get to the Final Four. Uh, that's going to be the challenge. You know, can you get the the chemistry right? Because the 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 depth and the talent looks like it's there. Like yeah, that'll
0: be fun. That's going to be a fun watch.
1: It is. This has Grandpa Brock still eligible. Yeah, Brock Cunningham, man.
0: Yeah, he's got
2: another six years. Yeah,
1: how like. you, you went to Westlake? When was we were there with Brock Cunningham, weren't you?
2: He is three years younger than me, but age wise, grade wise, he's three years younger. But age wise, he's your age. He's my age. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going I think he's gonna be t- like twenty five or six this upcoming year. You know how those college
1: girls, man. I I get older and older, and they stay the same age. The same yeah, age. He, he does pretty well for himself. I'm sure he does. I don't know. Maybe he has a long time girlfriend or something. I don't know. And Brock's a character. That's be good to cover him one more time, hey, or maybe one more time. Who knows? Can we get to the uh, headlines, the other trending topics, just to uh, launch your weekend? Top Gun Equipment Rentals bring you the news. Yeah, college football for the first time since the Big Twelve went to a divisionless format, Longhorns have are the pick to win the conference in the preseason media poll. Steve Sarkeesian's Longhorns come in with 41 of the 67 possible first place votes from media members who cover the league. Uh, K-State follow the Longhorns with 14 first place votes. They, of course, are the defending champions, but Steve Sarkeesian not backing away or shying away from the expectations. Thinks this team has what it takes to live up to that, to live up to that billing. I really feel like our team's on a mission. Like we, we've, we've been building for this um, to, to, to win a Big 12 championship. I felt like You know, that they will all tell you that, that we missed
2: an opportunity a year ago to not play for the Big 12 championship game because of our own undoing. You know, we made, we made some mistakes in a couple of games that cost us an opportunity to be in that game. And we've got great leadership on this team. We've got guys that the necessary effort and means to, 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 to try to be a champion. And that's, that's why they came here. and,
1: And hopefully we're giving them the platform and the tools to go do that. After Texas and K-State at the top of the media poll, Oklahoma third, Texas Tech four, both received the same four first-place votes. Meanwhile, TCU with Sonny Dykes picked fifth with three first-place votes. Next week is our Big 12 football media days, Wednesday and Thursday at AT AT&T Stadium. All 14 teams will be there. NBA Hawks and their all-star guard DeJounte Murray, the former Spur, have agreed on a new four-year $120 million max deal. The free agent all-star guard Damian Lillard. The agent for Dame has gone public on, made it on the record that his client wants to be traded to Miami and nowhere else. It's a move that will likely draw a heavy fine from the league because it's against the rules. But Aaron Goodwin says he's doing what is in the best interest of his, of his client, trying to discourage other teams from challenging Miami's offer. Uh, maybe end up with a disgruntled player if they don't. Uh, Major League Baseball. But losses for the Rangers and Astros last night? Rangers had a 5-3 lead in Fenway Park in the rubber game of their series with the Red Sox. But bullpen got rocked pretty good. Gave up seven runs over the 6th and 7th inning. They lose 10-6. They'll head to D.C. for the weekend uh, for three games with the Nationals. Second place, Houston gained no ground. They lost to Seattle 5-1 last night in the first of a four-game series with the Mariners. Round Rock clobbered Sugarland Land 12-3. And Austin, F.C., are back on the road tomorrow night. They'll travel to a much cooler Minneapolis to face Minnesota FC on Saturday night. Club did add some fresh legs yesterday with the acquisition of young defenseman Brandon Craig on loan from the Philadelphia Union for the remainder of the season. Only 19 years old, recently represented the U.S. at the FIFA Under 20 World Cup where he was a teammate with Austin's Owen Wolf.
0: Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Runners and Lawn Equipment. It's hot outside, and so's our deal this month for a free Hustler generator with purchase of select Hustler Zero turn mowers at Top Gun. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight.
1: Dustin McComas will talk some MLB draft coming up at the bottom of the hour. The king of ping, he was once called on these airwaves, and knows his baseball. Well, how do the Longhorn prospects project some of the best local area products and how that draft has changed and the, the shrinking of that MLB draft, how he thinks it may change. College baseball and the talent level there. Uh, this says uh, Kendall Weaver more athletic than Jabari Rice. That'd be good because Jabari was smooth operator, baby. The pump fake, the shot fake, and if Kendall Weaver is more athletic, that's right. If you go watch his film, he can he can get up and down the floor. He can hang too well, and that'll be good. But uh, what, the, what the coaches have said is they just love his. They they compare him to Rice in that he's just.
0: Smart guy with the ball. Yeah, just got a real good
1: feel for the game. And that's what you loved about Jabari Rice, man. He he never got too fast. He played at that slope. He played in control. Yeah, and and it felt like every time he had the ball, something good was going to happen. You know, he was the one guard, because Tyrese Hunter was up and down last year. Marcus Carr was your leading scorer, but he also went through some slumps. Jabari was just... Man, and knocking down the threes uh, on the on, off ball, but yeah, then, Acemus,
0: you, by the way, won't stop shooting. He, I like you know, I like those guys.
1: Well, that'll be interesting. When we talk about chemistry. He's used to being the go to guy right. on a basketball team, right? He's used to being. There aren't bad shots for him. Well, this is a te- more talented team than he was with at Oral Roberts. So how does that? You know, Tyrese Hunter's going to want his shots, and Dylan Mitchell's hoping to improve his offensive game. No, and, we'll get the
0: ball into them, but he has to have his shots. He has well, to have his I, fill.
1: And look, I the one thing you know, or one of the things you know with Rodney Terry is he wants to be more offensive than Chris Beard was, but he showed last year that look, we'll we'll open it up offensively, but it's got to start on defense because I remember that there was that game against K State where they gave up 116 points, and you're like, what the heck? And I, that's really where because Roddy Terry has focused been a defensive coach most of his little career, but um, you know he's going to run the defense, but you know with Rodney now and he, he implemented that last year. If you, Will open up the offense if you will play defense to set it up, and with a rim protector like Caden Shedrick and Dylan DeSue it's back true. up front, Dylan Mitchell, you know that defense. Yeah, they'll get the ball out on the wings and go now. Yeah, they want to. They want to be tempo more. Chris Beard was slow it down, play defense, let your defense win it. You know, win games late, which you know is fine. But I think Rodney Terry has already shown he's got a little bit of a different mindset. Uh, on how his teams are going to play and now he's got a a deep athletic team as for texas football we talked about it earlier but love hearing steve sarkeesian that was on the greg mcelroy podcast of earlier this week and really embracing that you know he feels like you know he knows his coaching staff is eager to go win a big 12 and you know finish it strong but but feels like his team uh absolutely is on a mission is what he said that to go get it and fix the fourth quarter problems of last year because if they do they'll if they become a better fourth-quarter team, they're going to be in the Big 12 title game this year, Buck, because they were Steve Sarkeesian's opening script, those early game plans, the big leads built. The only offensive game where they weren't the superior team early and often was that TCU game. right? TCU, they were just terrible the whole night. Which and That is was terrible. probably the best defensive showing of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was such a, weird, such a weird game because that offense was just lame. Play calling, offensive line, Execution quarterback play. Was bad. It was just bad. But for the other games, I mean, the te- te- Texas Tech game was so frustrating because it looked like they were going to run away with the game a couple of times. And, you know, Texas Tech stayed in it by converting all those fourth downs and, you know, doing all the, you know, putting all the cards on the table for Joey McGuire, and, and it worked out to win to win in overtime. But, man, there were stretches there, even with it. Yeah, a...
0: Joey McGuire was just balls to the wall in that game. You knew what he was going to do, and you still couldn't stop him.
1: Yeah. That was they... the thing.
0: He's going for it on fourth down, guys.
1: Well, and I will say this, that that, that was not... I think Texas ran into a bit of a surprise there because you didn't know, right? Joey McGuire was his first year as the coach. And he has said that, man, that, you know, we looked at it when we won the Big 12 championship at Baylor, we were very aggressive on fourth downs. They led the Big 12 at Baylor in, in fourth down percentage and going for it, uh, extending drives. Yep. And knowing his defense could, could you know, it, that was how they were going to beat Texas. I mean, I think anybody that watched that game would say if they don't. If they convert half of their fourth downs, not eight of nine or seven of eight, whatever it was, they would have lost. I mean, Texas would have won the football games uh, because there were tight even with backup, you know, Hudson Card in as your backup quarterback, you know, Texas felt like early and even even into the third quarter with a ten point lead that they were going to control that game, obviously it got away from them. Texas Tech got the win. And Oklahoma State game was that way. Remember, I was at the game in Stillwater, that was thirty-one to seventeen. I mean, Texas was running away with the game. And next thing you know, You know, on a windy day in Stillwater, the thing comes off the rails, and you know, Texas stops running the ball, and Quinn Ewers has a really bad day, and Texas loses that game. That's the stuff. If Texas gets better fourth quarter play, they're going to be in the Big Twelve title game. I don't think there's any doubt. But as I said earlier to you, that you know, the whole SEC you know conversation is certainly fun for fans, and we're looking forward to it for the Longhorns to be in the SEC and what that's going to bring. But there are a lot of guys on this football team and on this football roster who will never play a game for Texas in the SEC. Right? Well, yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, you just gotta. Hopefully, you have a mature enough group that understands what's going on for this year.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the
0: next year will come.
1: And that that was interesting that Sark mentioned to Greg McElroy that it was the players when the the night that the SEC did their big schedule release, it was the players who said, "Hey, let's let's all put out this year's schedule because that's what we're focused on, is that th- this year's se- season because we we. Again, there's only one player in the locker room that has played in a Big 12 title game at Texas, and there are a bunch of guys who will, who, this is their last year. They came back for this year. The Jordan Whittingtons, the Devondre Sweats, uh, the Christian Joneses of the world. I mean, you know, and then there's the underclassmen that, you know, they may be off to the NFL. Well, we'll, and things we'll really find well. out
0: because in week two, it'll, it'll, it'll hit you. The reality of it will hit you right in the face. Whether it's this year or next year, week two in Alabama is going to, it's going to hit you in the face. That week one is going to be your tune-up to get your guys in place and make sure that you get things correct, whether it's the special teams, offense, defense. But that's a tune-up game. I don't care how good Rice has gotten.
1: No, that, you got to, you got to. Yeah, that's a smack. If this is a game. mature team that has aspirations right. of winning the Big Twelve championship. Then you smack Rice around. That's right. I mean, it, it looks a old school, right? It's a. It's it, it reminds a lot of guys it, get to play. It's
0: the days of. God, I hope they don't hurt those well, poor kids and, from Rice. You know, I used to well, think when be, Mac used to play them. You might be a little scared of Rice. I don't know. Hey, hey, nineteen ninety four. What do you have to? nineteen
1: ninety four on a rainy night, rainy Sunday in Houston. It's one of my favorite well, stories. I, yeah, and
0: I did not feel bad for those Rice kids, but I used to feel bad when Mac used to play them with the studs that Mac used to play, and they would cart those kids off the field the old stretcher way. Well,
1: Rice is one of those teams that doesn't have a. a
0: Depth wise, they just couldn't hang. I mean,
1: we'll look into it more as we get closer to the game. Is it, do they have a single like athlete at, at, at any position? Like that guy looks like he could play at Texas.
0: I'm gonna probably say one, maybe out two, of the, two out of the whole. So
1: those are the teams, and that's what hey, Kylen that, Grantson played what, there. That's what Mac Brown teams did. They would when they would play a team like this, they would blow them out, right? They would just dismantle them. And yeah,
0: it would never be the old, "Hey, you're gonna get our best game." No, no, you're about to get hammered by us here.
1: Uh, so we'll see, and then of course it's the Alabama
0: game, which you know. Uh, well, that's it, where you find out the real maturity of a team that has to go on the well, road. Listen,
1: if and again to Alabama, Alabama has a bunch of like athletes, just like you. So you got to go beat them. I mean, that's they right. Got, they got better athletes. And than as you, you say, do. that's
0: four quarters. That's every every, every bit of offense, defense, well, and special teams. The
1: exciting part for Texas is, you know, that game. If you lose it, it's not the end of the world, right? If oh, going, no, no. Because you're expected to lose it. You're an underdog. Nick Saban's lost, like, one non-conference game since he's been in Alabama. Um, he doesn't lose those games, but this is the, the toughest home test they've played since Nick Saban's been there. First time You alone. went
0: toe-to-toe with them the year before, so you yeah. know what kind of athletes you have compared to what they have.
1: And they have new quarterback, and they have new That's coaches, right. on new, new coordinators, and a lot of, you know, but, the, but they reload. It's Alabama, for crying out loud. But point being, if, but if you go in and win that game, Oh. Well, think about that. I mean, again, that's wishful thinking. But if you go in and, and play like you did last year. To I me, mean, you, you win
0: that game, you're not losing another game.
1: Well, that that's right. I mean, if you win that game, well, that's then, right. you're, then your sights set higher than just winning Absolutely. the Big Absolutely, I agree. And, and you know, I don't, I'm not saying this is going to be the 2005 team, but had someone who was in Columbus when they beat Ohio State that, that that game.
0: That This is one of those key games right here, number well, two.
1: It just, it, it just elevates the confidence of every player and every coach that, hey, if we can win that game in that environment, that's right. We should. If we, then we're the only only team that can beat us.
0: We don't have to worry about going to Waco in that environment because having been on right. the
1: field on the sidelines covering that Ohio State game, that was to beat that team in that environment on that night. That's right. That crowd, man, it was. I mean, I mean, it was unbelievable. The crowd. I mean, it really was. It was dizzying when things when Ohio State would do something good and the Longhorns calmly. Now again. That was Vince Young. That was a team that was planning to win the national championship. They had planned for it all offseason. Uh, but, you know, it's it's echoed in, the, in what Coach Sark just said, that this team is planning and going to work to win the Big 12. But point being, if you beat Alabama, well, now you're looking at different things than just the Yeah, Big this 12. group that will one. have
0: not like athletes from a bunch of teams. They'll have better athletes than a bunch of teams that they Only will Alabama
1: play. Only Alabama and Texas, and, and this, this is the arrogant Texas conversation, but literally, don't, don't ask me. Ask NFL scouts. Ask, you know, League, you know college coaches player for player talent for talent Alabama and Oklahoma are the only two teams really that are going to can, can challenge Texas in that regard case K- you know K state's got some good players but, yeah
0: i mean and they've got coaching
1: and you know, cuz that's right well like look look at TCU last year we underrated their talent by the end i mean how many TCU hornfrogs got drafted into the nfl in april a ton
0: a boatload
1: and they were their key guys and their key guys played great um, and that's that's how they made it to the national championship game. But you know, I don't see another team this year that is close to Texas outside of Alabama and Oklahoma, player for player, depth. Where did
0: athlete. Coach Dykes get the the good look at that team by being there a year before? You know,
1: uh, Sonny, Yeah. Well, wow. he was there in 2019.
0: Yeah, in 19. I mean, he got a good look at what some of those kids are going to be. Like. Going to SMU. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, well, I Joey McGuire. Remember Joey McGuire took you know left Baylor middle of the season to go to Texas Tech. Right. So he got eyes on the team while he was there, which I think helped jumpstart his first year when he won eight games and won a bowl game. Hey, we come back. We'll talk uh, amateur draft. Our buddy Dustin McComas, uh, getting you ready for what's going to come up this the, this Sunday and into Monday, the 20-round MLB draft with the Longhorn prospects, local prospects, and more. That's coming next year on Beanie.
2: It's Bucky and Aaron
0: that I wish you saw. it kiss
1: you. Hey, coming up, it's uh, Salacious Gossip ahead of your Blitz, Friday Blitz. That could get rowdy. That could get uh, pretty rowdy today. Yeah, Bob. after
0: the Britney Spears stuff.
1: Yeah, it'll be a Britney Spears. Leave Britney alone, Blitz. We're also. Alone. Also. It's
0: a child star.
1: I got a big tour that's been announced that you need to uh, know about if you love, like music. Also, did you know that um, it's salacious gossip, so there's a definition of the word salacious. There's a little R-rated content in our gossip coming up, but it has to do with uh, AI, okay, artificial intelligence meeting sex toys. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. It's the, the flashlight in there, the <laughs> flash not, gun or whatever it is? There's no flashlight. Flashlight, flashlight. Invented right here in the great city of Austin, That's Texas, right.
0: baby. It was a big favorite big around favorite. here for a while. till it went
1: missing from the Horn so, headquarters.
0: Yeah, till it went missing. And it came back, used or something, and somebody left it up on the, the oh, window that, I don't think it came there. back. Uh, it never came, we, you mean it left? and never came back at all? Well, I argue. remember seeing it after... There was something about it being used. There, were, it didn't. It didn't feel the same. Again,
1: but let's hope it never returns. Uh, but we will return with uh, gossip and the blitz. But right now, always good to hear the voice. This guy's voice on these airways. Uh, long time uh, at orangebloods.com. and of course, he used to work with us here and uh, other spots. He's our buddy Dustin McComas Is now doing great work at Five Tool Baseball. He's their senior editor. Also does scouting and media for the Canes uh, Baseball Club as well. And he's only with us on the Vaqueros Hotline. D Mac, how are you, man? Been a while.
2: It's been a while. It's great to hear your voice. I'm doing well and uh, lots of baseball this time of the year, which means it's a great time of the year.
1: Yeah, man, you are doing your passion without a doubt. And uh, the draft is Sunday. And, um, you know, we all were just, you know, glued to the College World Series. And interesting, like like we used to follow in in college football, we're used to, Dustin, the the best players at the end of the season are going to be the first players picked in this draft, which is great for the sport to have the uh, Dylan Cruises and Paul Skeens and Wyatt Langford and all these guys at the top of the draft. It's something that, I mean, let me ask you this, or do you think this is a, a, going to become more of a common thing with the, the only 20-round draft and uh, more kids going to college with NIL opportunities that they'll get developed in college and then we'll get to know these players and then they will be the, the, the top picks in the draft more and more often?
2: Absolutely. You know, and I think it was pretty telling too, if you went and looked at the ratings of the college world series, you know, just phenomenal ratings, which I think speaks to, you know, the growing interest in the sport, because of the reason you mentioned there, we're able to better identify um, with these players now, because more and more each year, a lot of these top high school players that used to be slam dunk draft guys are are ending up in college for, for a variety of reasons. And part of that reason is, You know, these organizations, a lot of them, when they go through the draft, they operate on on the past. What is the past telling them works in the draft? And what the past is telling them is college players, college position players, and especially college pitchers, because you get these guys in these power conferences, and sometimes not even the power conferences, but what do you get? You get data on them. You get to see them against good competition. You get to see them in the college world series or the SEC. So, yeah, I think this is a definite sign of things to come, that every year when you turn on the College World Series or the college postseason, you're going to be seeing a lot of these guys that are going to be early, early picks in the MLB draft because that's who teams want to draft because what the draft has told them is that's the, the, the profile that has the less risk. Um, so that way they're kind of covering their margin for error and things like that. But, yeah, I think it's a sign that things will come with NIL, the growing popularity of the sport. Um, And a lot, too, like a lot of these agents and stuff now with these top high school prospects, they're looking at the draft, too, and saying, hey, set your price tag here, because if you go to a big-name school and you blow up, um, you have an opportunity to maybe make more money as a college player.
1: Yeah, and then be drafted three years later and, uh, you know, really hit the big time, like, like Paul Skeens is about to do and Wyatt Langford. It's interesting because the other part of that that I've talked about, Dustin, is you know, if you're 18 years old and you do go to the draft, that, that climb through rookie ball and that climb through the minor leagues is it can be tough on an 18-year-old. I mean, it's, uh, you know, as opposed to going to college and being on a college campus and around other college students and, you know, getting to live that life while getting developed by great coaching and potentially cashing in on an IL, that, that minor league climb is no joke when you're competing against international talent and, you know, in those rookie ball camps. I mean, that's it's not nearly as comfortable as coming to, to the University of Texas and, and living down on, on West Campus, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of the reasons why, well, many reasons why, when scouts are doing a lot of homework on these guys and, you know, the caliber of player that from the high school ranks would be selected high and paid high, it's not just the area scouts. It's area scouts, cross-checkers, national cross-checkers, directors, maybe even the GM in some cases. They're trying to figure out the makeup. They can go out and watch a couple games and watch some video. They'll figure out the tools real quick. Um, but what is the makeup like? Can, When you get in that type of environment, can you put in the work? Can you thrive? Can you, like you said, spend those years and years going up through there? Um, and if you can, it's great because you hit free agency earlier as a high school guy. You know, sometimes these college guys that they, they debut at, you know, look at Josh Young at, at, tech, at the Rangers, you know, He's not going to hit free agency until when he's, what, like 31? Yeah. Something like that, you know, whereas a high school guy might hit it when he's 26, 27. Maybe you're getting a second big contract out of that. But it's the reason why scouts do so much makeup work. They've got to figure out, um, can you can you excel in that environment? And are you willing to go there and, and you know, ride the buses and, and make the money you're going to make and put in the work um, to realize your talent? Now, the other side of that, too, is, we're seeing now in college baseball so much emphasis on the transfer portal. You know, I've talked to a couple recruiting coordinators at big-time programs this summer, and some of them are like, look, I haven't watched a high school kid yet this summer. I'm in the Cape Cod League. I'm in the Northwoods League. I'm scouring the transfer portal. Because for college coaches trying to keep their job, that's what helps them win is really, really, really good high school players and, and portal guys as well. So if you're a high school player, you've got to consider too, okay, well, if I'm going to go to school – um, I've got to be willing to really stick it out and grind at a place like a Texas or LSU or something like that, where I've got to go somewhere where I can play. Because if you don't play, you're not going to be seen by these scouts.
0: Well, more than anything, Dawson, somebody's telling them the level of competition is just as good in college baseball right now than going off and, like you say, getting on those buses and making those trips. It's, it's not so much of growing up in a hurry by doing those things, but you're actually going to, you, you may be just getting better by staying in college for a year or two.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. You know, when, when Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford get drafted, whenever the, the next top MLB prospect lifts come out, all of those guys are going to be ranked super, super, super high, you know, like way up there. Mm-hmm. So if you go to one of these premier big conferences, like you're gonna be seeing really, really, really good players day in and right. day out. Like there's people I've talked to scouts that talk about Paul Schemes, like like he could pitch in a big league rotation right now. Like yeah. I think that's a little bit of hyperbole, but he also might be the best college pitching prospect we've seen since Steven Strasburg. So and and you're seeing not the schemes caliber, but you're seeing that tier below of guys like almost every week if you're playing in the SEC the lesser extent, the ACC, the, the lesser extent, the Big 12. But you're seeing really, really good players day in and day out. And, Aaron, like you mentioned earlier, with you know there's just not as many at-bats with the short season gone and things like that. So, um, yeah, you're seeing that quality of competition at the college level, and that's one of the reasons why these pro teams like drafting college guys because they can look and watch them against really good players each time they're out there.
1: Uh, Dustin McComas is with us. Always a great conversation. You learn a lot uh, on the side of baseball with Dustin, the senior editor now at 5 Tool Baseball, also uh, scouting media for the Canes. And he's got a great podcast that we'll let you tell you about here coming up with uh, uh, Drew Bishop, which is really uh, educational too and entertaining. Hey, uh, of specific, the local products, we'll talk about the Texas kids coming up, but what about Sikora, Travis Sikora out there at Round Rock? I mean, some project him as the hardest thrower in the draft, um, you know, as far as the high school arm goes, uh, hits hits the triple digits. I know our man uh, Cam Parker here on the horn, our, one of our producers, was the play-by-play voice of Round Rock, and I've talked to him about how, how talented this kid is. Sakura, well, how do you have him ranked? He's committed to Texas. I mean, so there's two-part question. Is there any chance he shows up in Austin based on everything we just mm-hmm. talked about, or is he going to go high enough where it's going to be a no-brainer for him?
2: Yeah, I, I've got him rated as the second-best prospect in the state of Texas uh, behind sentence Blake Mitchell, who's a, who's a slam-dunk first-round pick. He's going to go to the first round somewhere. Just a phenomenal catcher talent who'd probably be the best player in the state if he was just a pitcher, too. But I, I've seen Travis up to 101 miles an hour in person. Like, it is it is really special arm strength. And it's a, he's a fascinating and unique prospect because he's 6'6", but he's really athletic. Like he throws a ton of strikes. And typically you get high school guys that tall and that long. They don't throw many strikes just because they're just not, they're not able to use their body that way. But he throws a ton of strikes. Um, The arm strength is there. Um, You know, saw him pitch deep into the playoffs several times in person was holding 94, 97 into the final innings. Uh, There were days when the slider was really, really good. He's got a splitter as well, but he just throws so many strikes. Now, Unfortunately for him, he is the scariest demographic for, for pro teams right now. The high school right-handed pitchers just are, are carry the riskiest profile in the eyes of pro teams. Just because if you think of all the first-round picks recently that were high school right-handed pitchers, there's not many of them that have had a lot of success. Um, you know, unless they were just a truly freakish talent like Hunter Green or somebody like that. Uh, There's been a lot of guys that are just kind of swimming in in the minor leagues and just haven't really fulfilled that potential. So he he has that working against him a little bit. Um, I think it's going to be – it'll be fascinating to see where he goes. Um, I think that he – all things being equal, I think he wants to sign. Uh, I think he's definitely talented enough to sign. Um, But is he going to have an opportunity to sign for the type of money that he wants? At the end of the day, I think he will just because – he's six. he's athletic, he throws strikes, he can throw 100 miles an hour. Let's not overthink this. That's a truly special prospect. But I don't. I think it's unlikely he goes in the first round. Um, might not go on day one, which I believe is a top 39 pick. So uh, you get into that second round, he's going to have to land in a situation with a team that's got some extra bonus pool money uh, that's going to spend up a little bit to get him signed. So Um, I wouldn't hold your breath if you're a Texas fan, but I I do think the chances are greater than zero uh, just because high school right-handed pitchers, organizations do not want to take those guys in the first round. They would much, much rather prefer to take a college player or a high school position player. Instead of a high school right-handed pitcher,
1: yeah, and also consider that not only is he, you know, with the NIL opportunities he would have at Texas, he's also a local kid, local prospect who's already a known name in this area because of what he's done at Round Rock with the Dragons. So uh, maybe that's being, you know, weighed as well with he and his family. Uh, but obviously, we'll find out where he goes either Sunday into, or into Monday. Hey, Dustin McComas, let me ask you about the Texas players themselves. I mean, uh, we know uh, LBJ, LeBaron Johnson Jr likely to be a, a pick in the top three rounds. And then there's Lucas Gordon and Dylan Campbell. Uh, how do you rank some of these guys that that are potentially and likely to be former Longhorns now?
2: Yeah. You know, the, the, the most fascinating one to follow will be what happens with Tanner Witt. Um, yeah. Just because he is a guy that's coming off of Tommy John and, you know, he went up to the Cape Cod league and his last outing was, was good. The outing before that was, was really, really poor. So, he's in this weird position to where he's still got a lot of this benefit of the doubt where scouts watching like, Hey, he's, he's coming off a major elbow surgery. He's still working his way back. Like we can dream on what we saw pre-surgery. Um, but on the other hand, it's just someone went, some of their last looks like, Oh man, it's, it's just not there right now. So he's, it'll be interesting to see because he's not going to be a cheap sign. Uh, but I also think that he's a guy that, Probably wants to sign and needs to sign because, you know, there's no guarantee if he comes back to school, he's going to realize all that talent and that production that he had pre injury. And then you risk, you know, losing four or five, $600,000 by coming back to school. So he'll be really interesting to follow. Um, LeBaron Johnson, for me, I'd probably say is the next prospect on the list. Um, you look at what he did in the postseason, carrying his stuff deep in the outings, the sliders, the speed-out pitch, there's arm strength there. There's athleticism. I think that there's still, you know, room for projecting what he could become. I think he can refine his delivery more. There's, You know, this is a guy that a couple of years ago, you know, just was a total ball of clay in terms of what he could become as a pitcher. Um, and I think he's starting to realize that talent. So I think he's going to be a guy that probably goes fairly early Um, and probably is likely to sign. Um, You know, Lucas Gordon to me is interesting. You know, he's not the classic profile that scouts pay a bunch of money for. You know, he's not a very physical, hard-throwing left-handed pitcher, but he can really pitch, Uh, you know, the uh, change-up, committing the fastball. He's got a track record of production. But he's going to be in that area where the money is going to be good, but it's not going to be life-changing. And we've seen those types of players go back to Texas before, you know, whether it's, you know, now with NIL and things like that, you know, maybe it's like, ah, you know what, this isn't going to change my life. Maybe I just go back to Texas, have another great year. I love being here, get put some money in my pocket, do the draft again. And if I make it, I make it type of deal. So um, he'll be interested in that regard. And I really like Dylan Campbell. Um, I think scouts are a little light on Dylan Campbell. Um, I, I think that you could, in pro ball, maybe run him out there to the second baseman and see if he could play there. He was a good high school infielder, uh, but he's also been a phenomenal outfielder defensively in the corner outfield. But as you guys know, it's not the classic corner outfield profile. You right. know, when you turn on a pro game, you don't see many guys that look like Dylan Campbell in the corner outfield. You typically see those guys in the center field or, or second base or shortstop or things like that. So um, I think he can hit. I think he can hit for some power. I, he's a phenomenal kid. Great makeup. Um, I, I think a pro team would really benefit if he's sitting there in like the fourth round, um, taking the chance on the Dylan Campbell and, and signing him, which is what I think ultimately what will happen. But if Texas can get back one of LeBaron, Gordon, and Witt. I think that's a successful draft for them from from the returning players' perspective because they really, really need pitching. Look at next year's roster, and one of those guys would be a huge... Huge, huge boost in that regard.
1: There it is. That's why we bring him on. Dustin McComas, uh, all ready for the draft now with the Longhorns. Travis Sikora. uh top of the draft. can be really good. You can follow Dustin on Twitter at Dustin L. McComas, M-C-C-O-M-A-S. And uh, that 5-Tool podcast, if you're a baseball fan, must listen. It's Dustin and Drew Bishop, the longtime baseball operations guy over there at UT. Uh, good stuff. Uh, D- hey, Dustin, we appreciate it, man. Have Thank, a great weekend. Thanks, Dustin.
2: All right, thanks, guys. Take care. Have a good weekend.
1: Dustin McComas. All right, we'll come back. Load up the Blitz. Let's hit it. The 447 3776. Final Blitz of the week. Also, we'll uh, tell you what happens when artificial intelligence meets sex toys. Yes, we'll have that for you in our gossip. It's B.E. on the horn.
0: Where you get that from? Didn't want to tell you that. Didn't want to tell you that. Because I ain't for no games, okay?
1: no games just the gossip it's brought to you by the icy cold frosty bud lights weekend is here folks coming off the long fourth of july you're already back to another one do it with an ice cold bud light Uh, finding your your watering hole as we talked about because today is national dive bar day have yourself some ice cold bud lights there but always be safe and smart if you're getting out getting to a watering hole like a lake or a river or a stream or the coast do that as well to stay cool this hot summer season but do it with the ice cold bud lights only four great ingredients brewed right here in texas deep in the heart by texans for texans and dang proud of it and icy cold bud light have a great weekend be safe and smart and we'll talk to you on monday okay so buck here we go first off this sounds pretty cool uh the eagles you a fan of the eagles music I am. i'm a huge fan uh, they have announced a farewell tour. What are the odds that this is actually the no, last one? No, it's not. That Come on. Is, no. The Eagles have announced a farewell tour. It's called the Long Goodbye. It's in the early planning stages. They're going to be touring with Steely Dan.
0: Now you're talking. That'd be a pretty good show, right? Yeah, Steely Dan be. right
1: into the Eagles. And, of course, now Vince Gill is performing with the Eagles and taking the Glenn Fry spot with Don Henley and the crew there. So uh, the Long Goodbye Tour. So far, I have not seen the first show is set for September 7th in New York, New York then Boston uh, don't see a spot for any any place in Texas so far through November I would go to that though
0: yeah that may be the following years because F- it might be you know. the
1: last one Bob. the long it might goodbye be. yeah and you know old golden voice there Don Henley can still, can oh, still carry sure, it to yeah. you no, the people who have this seen, won't be
0: like the Jimmy Buffett goodbye.
1: I've talked to people who think that Vince Gill sounds better than Glenn Frey did. I'm a oh, big
0: Vince Gill fan. Okay. One of the best guitarists in the world.
1: Great musician. So that's there. So we've got uh, the Eagles farewell tour. Also, we know we had the Britney Gate, Britney Spears. She put out a statement saying uh, she got smacked in the face and she didn't like it. It was uncalled for. And she should have been able to jump up on top of, and say hi to Victor she because She should
0: have said, do you it's know America, who I damn am? It.
1: Do you know who I am? Why was she talking in a British accent? I
0: don't get that part. What's
1: wrong with her? She's trying to disguise herself. Yeah, well, she wanted to talk to Victor. Wemby, as they call him. Uh, Then she said it was uh, embarrassing. What else did she say in her statement? Super traumatic and super embarrassing.
0: The key is she's not
1: hurt. Just reading her statement, you know what pops into my head is Nancy Kerrigan. Remember when Nancy oh, Kerrigan, yeah. now she got hit with a lead pipe in her knee. That's right. By Jeff Galuli or Jeff whatever that Gallulli, guy was. Yeah, one of those mugs. And she was on the ground like,
0: why? Why? Because it hurt.
1: Her well, heck yeah, it hurt. Well, that's what Brittany was doing. Why? And she was not happy. Hey, here we go. So we know what ChatGPT is, right? Ty, you've still been using your your AI? Not really. I'm against the machines now. You're raging against are you, the machines. Are you
0: really going to start a war We're against taking, them? Taking a stand. Well, there's Good a new job. sex toy
1: oh, on the market if you enjoy that type of thing. Oh. That um, it's a new one that will it will read the equivalent of smutty romantic novels to you while you're using it. Yeah, it'll, it'll whisper dirty nothings in your ear. It's customizable. It'll say the things you want it to say. It'll talk to you essentially while you're doing what you're doing.
0: It'll say those dirty little things I like. Yeah, really.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would say
0: call s- me daddy. <laughs>
1: If I wanted to, it will. It's your machine. All right. You know, it's your fantasies. We're just breeding losers at this point. <laughs> yes. Seriously. Come go, on, man. Go out and find a real-life girl. <laughs> will, will she say whatever you want her to say and the way you want her to say it? If you find the right I, one. You there fun. you go. Okay. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Listen to my man through there. Said like a 25-year-old single guy. You know yes, what I'm saying?
0: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: So there you go. Will it call me daddy? I think it probably will. Yeah, baby. Come on now. Um, Smutty romantic novels.
0: Just get the fleshlight back from BK.
1: By the way, next hour I'll play you, if we can, some examples. Oh, for sure. (laughs) All right, let's get to your blitz. The Bucky and E blitz. The morning blitz brought to you by Apple Leasing, where you only
0: have to pay for the new half of the car or truck. The half under factory warranty in any make, any model.
1: Click AppleLeasing.com and see how easy it is.
0: All right, first Blitz, Blitzer, you're up. That's what we like a hang-up right off the bat. Well,
1: that's it? That's yeah. it? We're that's good. all we
0: get? Yeah, that's good. It's Friday. Oh! These people oh! stayed on their 4th of July break. Let's go!
2: Nice. That might have been my fault, too. We had we had two blitzers, but I hung up on no, they Here oh, they are. They're oh. just
1: coming in late. You want to pick it back up? Sure. All right, first blitzer, go ahead. Call Third, go ahead, man. You're up.
0: Oh. No, see, no, no. Don't worry <laughs> about it. We get them Monday. They're not going anywhere. You're going to be mad vac- at us all weekend. Except for back, back on vacation.
1: Hey, listen. What do we got to do? We got to hold they're your on. hand? They're on. I know. Now, they? they're, oh, now they're. Oh, up. Up. we got to go now. Look yeah. at the All clock. Right. You know what time to call. I mean, we're out of time now. I mean, you just just call when you're supposed to. Rookies. That was chaotic. All right, we'll be back. That was uh, clumsy, but you know, we're going to have some chat GPT pleasure companion stuff coming up, so we'll do that. Look at them. Look at them. Be the oh, other they're one. doing that on purpose. Look at them. We'll be back.